You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, obviously, with the momentum of the week, and you know, last week this show did well here, uh, maybe sneaking in an extra one, whatever. Um, but you guys got plenty of questions, and when we do the post-game show, especially now where they're kind of limiting us, you know, they want me to kind of adhere a little more to the time frame that their analytics experts have put together. So we're going to do our best to hear that. So whatever, so we got to throw together a second show, get a, bu- a bunch of your guys' questions. That's fine. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm certainly not interested in watching the Monday night football seller dweller game. So um, with that, uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns wise. This is your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Pete, one of the questions, and I mean, this is one we're getting a lot of here. Um, Jannard Avery. Um, uh, I did the PFF show tonight with John Costco, and John passed over some information, and he did, forgot to – well, I mean, he didn't forget to. He didn't remember exactly how he came across it. But here it is with one thing with Jannard Avery is apparently Jannard Avery was told after OTAs they would like him to bulk up a little bit. Um, now Jannard Avery is not as explosive as Jannard Avery was last season, last summer. Um, the whole thing, Pete, just seems kind of silly in its point. I mean, if there's one thing you weren't worried about Gennard Avery was, was he maxed out size-wise? I don't think anybody was concerned with that. And last year at 255 or whatever it was, it was getting it done. And look, you know, I understand, you know, Vernon's a good pass rusher. Obviously, Miles is a fantastic pass rusher. But those other two TNs, None of them have the track record, and even though Gennard's is a smaller sample size, why didn't they just leave well enough alone and just say, all right, I mean, because it's not like Vernon is this huge, well, you know, long, lengthy, built, like Miles. Um, You know, Chad Thomas is closest to what Miles is size-wise, and after yesterday and 20 snaps and not being able to get within the same zip code of Lamar Jackson, they should have just left it alone and understood that, look, it's okay that Jannard Avery is an undersized pass rusher because he gets it freaking done. And there's value in, in, in having the undersized pass rusher because it's a different matchup. And uh, that style of being the shorter power, you know, is not lacking for strength, a uh, shorter, uh, powerful guy with options is a different look as opposed to Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon who are, both uh, more prototypical size pass rusher. I mean, that's, you know, the, that's the Steelers have been uh, using that style of pass rusher with Jannard Avery uh, for, for years and years and years. Uh, the Tennessee Titans don't have, uh, you know, prototypical size pass rushers with Harold Landry, Cam Wake, and, and Corelli Correa, but they work. And ultimately the less – you get into the whole worrying about uh, fitting guys to a particular scheme and you just put players out there, the better the results are, which is exactly what they did with Jannard Avery last year. Uh, for all the things that you can criticize Greg Williams about, all he did was just say, we're putting you in here and go. And, you know, look, uh, he's – and the thing you get is, I mean, you know, Jannard Avery, I mean, he literally can bull rush. I mean, there were – and I remember week three in the preseason against the Eagles, he's pushing back a 320-pound tackle. Um, so if, if that's what came to be with Jannard Avery, and right now he's heavier because you asked him to, and Jannard Avery, the personality, everything 
you talk to anybody who's close to this team, you know, the Nathan Zagars, and I is he's a lot like Nick Chubb. It's, you know, pro team. It's pro what you want me to do. I'm thankful for the opportunity, whether I'm the third, fourth best player on this team or 35th or 40, you know, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. It just seems like maybe a misuse of a game plan there. And now you're without one, you got one of your players and not, you know, not in the best of positions. Um, Hopefully they wisen up, get the weight off of him and get the explosion back. Cause that's what made him such a special player. He was six, five mid two fifties and all the athletic traits matched him to be a productive player. And that's why you kind of hit a home run in the fifth round. It's just odd in that scenario. And look, I mean, I can understand maybe right now you're in a little bit of numbers game where you have to say, or, you know, in the last two weeks, especially where, all right, we don't have Morgan Burnett. We don't have Denzel Ward. We don't have Reedy Williams. We've got to, you know, play some, we've got to dress some defensive backs that we would normally dress. Um, also, maybe you're down wide receivers and maybe we're going to dress some more wide receivers because some of these guys got to play specials. But, you know, we talk about all the time, put your best 11 on the field or dress your best 46 on game day. I, I'm really hard-pressed to see how Jordan Avery's not one of your best 46 on game day. Well, certainly he's better than uh, Chris Smith and uh, Chad. Chad Thomas. He's better than both. You know, There's no doubt about it. That's done been proven, but, you know, you had Austin Corbett activated. Austin Corbett, who is, at least to this point, and I, and I think it was prudent to keep him uh, by virtue of how offensive linemen can be developed. But he's certainly unplayable right now, and yet he was active. Uh, yeah, just another another mind-boggling one in that respect. Um, obviously, a lot of talk. Um, you know, the Browns are going to have to make a roster move. Um, Antonio Callaway's back on this roster. Um, I've heard a bunch of things that Taewon Taylor is going to be the guy to be moved on from. I'm getting a lot back here, Pete, on, you know, why not Damian Ratley? Look, um, yes, two penalties yesterday. The holding, yeah, I'm fine, guys. Yeah, that was – it wasn't great. Didn't really knew – you know, I mean, <laughs> did nothing to hide it. Um, That, you know, the – I forget what the phrasing of it is, is, you know, um, the crack black, but the guy's not looking or whatever. I still think, Pete, we're at the point now where teams are guys telling guys, look, do it like you've always done it. Um, let's see if they call it. Let's see if they're going to continue to call it. It wasn't an egregious block. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. I mean, you're essentially telling teams they can't game plan. But Damian Ratley plays special teams and plays them well. He, you know, look, whatever happened on the Odell pass yesterday, yes, there's a good chance he could have caught the ball. Whatever. That's fine. Um, but he's not really going to be in those positions when you have Rashard Higgins back. You have Antonio Callaway back. Um, for now, he's a nuts and balls player and does pretty much what you ask of him when he's asked to do it. And here's the thing, guys. Damian Ratley didn't do anything this summer and still made this roster. It tells you, Pete, what this front office and coaching staff think of him. He's, he's not going anywhere. I wouldn't think so. Uh, obviously, he's actually done things. Uh, Taewon Taylor, for all of his athleticism and potential, uh, he looks largely useless out there uh in in what he's been able to do certainly on kickoff which is an abominable unit right now kickoff return uh i tell you right now he looked about the same way i do at 45 years old when i take my first steps in the morning getting out of bed for god's sakes he um, he, uh they they start so many possessions seemingly by their like 15 yard line 
why you insist on not taking the free 25 is beyond me other than pride and anything else, because right now it's just not there and, and they keep doing it. He looks like a guy who's trying to make a play to save a roster spot. Um, he hasn't picked up the offense here. You talk with the folks at Tennessee when he was open, he dropped the ball. He had trouble getting open. Um, there's no love loss there. He was moved on from, from the Tennessee Titans. Um, Guys, Damian Ratley, he's, he's pretty safe here as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. So if that's one of your issues, guys, that one's not going away anytime soon. Uh, Vivid Seats, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get into your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF, all caps, no space, at checkout, and receive a discount of up to $100 from the fine folks over at Vivid Seats. As we continue to move on a little bit here, Pete, um, now there are obviously questions. You know, um, one of the ones here is, you know, look, Eric Cush, he's doing enough. Wyatt Teller was a guy who, you know, the, and I'm not going to say a premium pick, but you traded a fifth-round pick for here. So, obviously, this front office, this scouting department liked him. The question is, though, is how do you not essentially upset the apple cart but do try to get a look at a guy that you think you might like. I look at all this as bye week. Um, if they, you know, obviously they've had eyes on Teller in practice. Um, presumably he's getting some comfort uh, repping at right guard and those things. But if they're going to make a move, it would start at the bye week. But my guess is uh, that they brought him in for that reason, and if they're happy with where he's going, much like Austin Seibert over Greg Joseph, it's about the trend as opposed to where they are right this second. And look, I mean, you know, and look, a fifth round pick again. It's it's not a premium pick, but you did put something into this. So obviously, this is a guy you want to get a look at, and the Browns certainly are going to do that at some point here. They just didn't, you know, essentially rent him, so to speak. This is something and a player that they want to know a little bit more about. So, you know, that's definitely one. And, look, Cush is – he hasn't played terribly. But you're at the point now, and especially this is what good teams and good franchises do, and it's going to take some getting used to here, is uh, if you can upgrade, you're going to look into it, and you are going to do it. Uh, Giovanni Ravis, and I always appreciate Gio, uh, with Greedy and Mac Wilson already now starting at the quarter point. Who are the next rookies poised to break out? I mean, look, Seibert's your kicker, Pete. Um, I'm trying to see where this goes, and maybe we can blend two into one here because, you know, there are some questions on Sione Taki Taki. Drew Forbes, uh, you know, this is going to be a learning year. Uh, you know, obviously I do think they you know, would like to get him back to the active roster, but I would say uh, of what's left red wine, you know, this may end up being a lost year because, you know, Burris has looked good. Um, Jermaine Whitehead actually putting together a good outing yesterday. Certainly doesn't help Shudrick Redwine. Morgan Burnett's still going to come out and come back. I guess it's, you know, maybe a, a glimpse at Forbes if you need him at some point, but it's, you know, this one's here is probably Sione Taki Taki, and we're going to kill two birds with one stone here. Uh, right now, the best rookie is Austin Seibert, which I never would have expected to say. Um, 
as he's not missed a single field goal and he's missed just the what the first extra point have you ever attempted and it's been uh locked in since then up uh, Taki Taki you know he he contributes on special teams I, I would expect he's going to continue to see his role increase as he gets more comfortable but if you're talking about you know where where is a meaningful impact going to be made by one of these rookies I assume it will be Drew Forbes it's just a question of when uh but I, I, Sheldrick Redwine obviously hurt now or was, you know, dealing with a hamstring himself. Uh, but he looks, you know, lost at best. Uh, close. It's, you know, I mean, look, and you weren't, we knew this. Um, there wasn't going to be a big, you know, production so much from the rookie class. Obviously, Gree starting from Jump Street, but now out two weeks. Um, a lot of this was based on what you did in free agency, the acquisitions of Olivier Vernon, Odell Beckham, and players of said ilk. Um, Dale Harris, uh, one of his was as far as, um, you know, Jamie Ratley, which we got to. Um, Pete, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you got a nice uh, tweet from Jermaine Whitehead. But, um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, yeah, yesterday gave you a glimpse to what we had heard all spring long. None of us got to see it in the summer because he didn't play. Well, look, he, he, uh, he played better. Uh, certainly, obviously, had the big, big interception. It was a great play. Had a couple big hits. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow, he did. Um, I, I told yeah, you. So, I mean, look, he and You're not Carol the- Brown both, both, uh, you're not the first guy he's, he's clapped and, back at. And, uh, you know, after after what I what I what I don't think is uh, I think it was valid criticism. Uh, both came out and played better, uh, which is good. But you know, I don't know if this is going to last. And there obviously there is that, and there's that aspect to it. There's no doubt about it. But look, um, you know, Jermaine Whitehead. Look, I mean. For look, I admit it. Look for all the you know we had put on you, um, and they had talked well about him in the spring. There was an opportunity for us to see it in the summer, and what we saw at this point was you know some tough football. And look, Cooper Cup is not an easy cover for anybody, and some penalties. But you know, for what we saw yesterday, you can see what this coaching staff was excited about. Um, this team is loaded at the defensive back position, so we're you know going to have to just play the cards as they come. You know, with the obviously a bunch of guys are going to be coming back here soon enough, so um, it's going to be interesting how they handle this defensive back position because I don't know the injuries are keeping some extra guys on this roster. I don't know if that's going to continue to trend that way, uh, guys. DoorDash, um, treat yourself um, to something you deserve, a meal you deserve on Monday night, whether on Sundays, whether you want to leave the house and have your favorite restaurants, whether it's a franchise or something local, come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, LOCKEDON, no space, and appreciate DoorDash for their time and sponsorship of LOCKEDON Browns. We got more to get to here, Pete, and obviously, um, you know, look, it's, you know, Jermaine Whitehead, Pete, you're not the first. Um, Brandon Leister's gotten a glist of it. I mean, he's, he's had his fun, 
um, you know, apparently he likes to uh, clap back, which maybe thinks that he fits right in with this group that they got going on here in Cleveland. Um, but actually you complimented him, but the play of his life, but I think he's been getting some heat. So maybe that kind of led to uh, where he's just kind of upset a little bit about everything. So um, Pete, who is the Cleveland Browns MVP of the first quarter of the season? Miles Garrett. I fear that. I think that's very safe to say. Um, we do some hit and, one, hit and run ones here. Um, is Lamar Jackson the most dynamic quarterback the Cleveland Browns will face this year? I would say Russell Wilson, he's earned it for this point. But, I mean, look, you got to look at what Seattle's doing. And any chance, Pete, where you can just hamstring your quarterback by running the ball a lot and you have a dynamic player like Russell Wilson, go ahead, Seattle. I mean, you're doing a fantastic job in that regards. I mean, you, know, you certainly want to be doing that type of stuff. Um, guys, obviously we appreciate each and every question here. Um, Pete, looking back on a little bit on yesterday, and it's been, you know, 24 hours later here, and – Look, the defense, there was some missed tackles and there was, you know, but Baltimore is the pain in the ass that's not going to be on the schedule two times a year because they can go and do things offensively with Lamar Jackson in that 4-4, maybe sub 4-4, who knows, who cares. They can do things that other teams just really cannot do. What was the first part of that question? As far as you know, the Ravens and what they can do to you, like obviously there were some issues yesterday defensively, some missed tackles, but the Ravens, it's like, you know, obviously with you, Coach, and we talk about this type of stuff all the time, is they bring an offense that you only see, you know, with them being in division, you're going to see it twice a year, but it's a pain in the ass. It requires discipline. It requires staying in your lane, and it's tough. The Ravens' offense and Lamar Jackson in particular, if you were just looking at this as 11 on 11, that would leave one man on Lamar Jackson, theoretically, if you, got, if you have one for everybody. Uh, and that's impossible to do because he's such a dynamic player. You have to be basically perfect as a defender to deal with that. So as he gets better, you basically have to pick your poison because, you know, if you, again, because he, he's going to demand more than one guy, whether that's some sort of, uh, you know, spy or some sort of net or whatever, you have to be able to sort of corral him in a way that that's not, that's not going to get you beat. Because again, if you have one guy on him and he breaks, breaks the pocket, if you're theoretically manning up everybody, he's going to be able to run free and make some big plays. So you basically have to pick your poison and decide where you're going to deploy your assets and hope for the best, which also means you can't really like double anybody unless it's him, because that's how much of a threat he is. It's just difficult, and obviously yesterday you saw with a little bit, um, you know, obviously they're trying to break him in, and obviously Hollywood Brown didn't help. Um, whatever that play was on that fourth from about their own 33, um, not everybody's on the same page yet passing-wise. Um, I give him credit, though, because, I mean, you know he's got so much faith in his legs, and he's trying to do more with his arm, and maybe there's some times where he had wished he had maybe gone with his legs. You know, Hollywood Brown, that short crosser that he dropped, that could have been a 25, 30-yard play. Once you get a guy with a four two eight forty loose in the open field, it can be a nightmare for everybody in that respect. Pete, we got one last question. How would you describe 
your Streetsboro program's offense? Um, we are, I guess, I mean, we're spread offense insofar as we tend to line up out wide. We can go tight, but really it's just multi, you know, it's, it's not a lot of plays, but it's just a ton of formations to create various angles and, and numbers advantages and those type of things and motion and all that. So it just forces uh, defenses to account for a lot. Otherwise they get outflanked or out whatever. So that, you know, most of our energy is just worried, worried about, you know, w what is a, you know, one, one small tweak for us is, is relatively easy is an entire new formation for a defense. And that's really all it is. All right, Pete, Browns-wise, NFL-wise, anything Pete's got to sound off on? I mean, it, it's at least noteworthy that, that the league has decided that Vontaze Perfect, uh, the recidivist that he is, is they're going to go ahead and shut him down for the rest of the year. Um, He's like a hundred-time offender. Uh, I can't believe it. of unnecessary roughness and other things. Um not that it's unwarranted or anything else. It's just unpre unprecedented and interesting. I don't know if I can remember a player who's been a, as a dirty SOB in maybe the last 10 oh. to 15 years. Oh. oh, 10 to 15. Okay, I was going to say. Go yeah, oh, no, way back in the day, sure. But there were different rules then. I was going to say, mean, Brian, Brian Cox was, was a coach in the league, for God's sake. Of course. Yeah, so in the mid 10 to 15 years, and it is, it's – it wasn't again like Vontez Burvick. It didn't even start that way. Like it's gotten worse the older he's gotten. Like he was like a He started his career as a Cinderella story. Like look at this guy screwed up his draft stuff. You know his whole draft cycle got into the league and was a really good player. And then about two three two years after he was a really good player, he just turned into the dirtiest sob in the game. It's the weirdest player cycle anywhere because, like, it was such a, a good story, and then all of a sudden now he's just like the – he's the guy who would hit his mother from behind if it mattered. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he was just a phenomenal player, and part of the reason that he was such a, an you know, attractive player to me was the fact that he did play like just a rabid dog out there and was physical and, and you know – just leveled people, but, uh, you know, he, 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 he's occasionally got himself out of control, but you could still at least appreciate the, the way he played the game. Now it's gotten to a point where you just, you just fed up and you just want, want him to go away. And it, like I said, it's, it's gotten progressively worse, uh, especially the last couple of years where it's for whatever reason, he has just, uh, basically said, screw it. This is, I'm going to be this guy. And, uh, you know, go ahead and try to stop me. And the, the league has now stepped in, you know, I think rightfully so and ended it. Look, I mean, the headshots, they got to stop. They got to stop every which way possible. I understand some are uncontrollable. I get it. It is. But, I mean, and we're in this age now where so many of these guys are so close with each other, you know, whether it's different teams or, you know, colleges or how you know them, just, you know, don't take it another man's opportunity way to make his money. It's, it's dirty pool. It's just, it's just garbage. 
every aspect of it. And you know, the Raiders, here were the Raiders who, you know, two of their key offseason acquisitions, in their opinion, were Vontez Birdfecht and Antonio Brown. And, uh, you know, I, for those two, maybe start a podcast or something because ain't not, neither of you going to be playing any NFL football anytime soon. Pete, what's the latest over at Maven? Uh, you know, between I mean, just today, I think there's four articles up, three from me and one from uh, uh, Brandon Little. So there's plenty going on there. There's going to be more uh, obviously coming. Uh, there's one I'm working on as we speak that goes back to the 2016 draft, uh, which is fascinating to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, but it particularly about this matchup. So we'll get into that. Yeah, obviously guys. And um, with this, we're almost pretty much point to the fact that we're moving on to San Francisco, enjoying the relish of here. Um, all of Pete's stuff over check out, go to SI, click on Cleveland Browns. You get directed to the Browns Maven. And uh, again, uh, Brandon Little, right Pete? Brandon Little. Check out Brandon Little and his work over there. He's helping out, and obviously Brandon's got a you know he's he's well established as far you know as his writing background. So obviously you know Pete's got his first assistance over there. So check out everything with there at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself at Locked On Browns. Uh, always follow back account. DMs open. Anything you got? Questions? Topics for the show? Go ahead and hit me over there. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are always open. Anything you want to throw over there, uh, even you nasty, ratty Giant fans who are really, really excited that you beat the Redskins. And Dexter Lawrence to this point has three tackles in his NFL career. Please just continue to tell me how I was wrong because, good Lord, I add all you people up together. I think maybe you have like 175 followers. Just go away with that nonsense. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>